delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Shell Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. A big show today where we actually review the entire event the Velo Adelaide 500, what a cracking event it was, and there's a lot of people who've got a lot of things to say, so let's get to them right now. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. All right, time to introduce our esteemed panel for this show, the show after the final supercar race for the year. Richard Crowell from the Race Talk, hello to you. Hello, Anthony Shebecki. How are you? I'm well, thank you, mate. Mark Walker. Sir Tony Shebecki. Race talk, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, Tony. Yeah, I'm good. And Tom Archuli, from where are you from at the moment, Tom? Still dying? Uh, unattached. <laughs> unattached. <laughs> Down with the race talk. with a mission. The race talk. He is uh, from the race talk. I am a the contributor. race talk. A contributor. A contributor on the race talk. Hello, Mr. Shebecki. Hello, Tom. How are you, buddy? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. I, I, I spent eight days in Adelaide. Who couldn't be that? Who oh. couldn't be good after that? How you actually do look a little bit different. You? Yeah, it's got some sunshine, that Look good, healthy he, Adelaide water. I was like going to say, the two are attached. He's got a glow about him, all right? Yeah. It's outstanding. <laughs> outstanding. Extremely healthy. And two great race meetings to be part of in South Australia. Well, let's launch straight into it. The uh, Velo Adelaide 500. Yep. Uh, probably the greatest race meeting that's ever existed in the history of mankind, I think it's safe wow. to say. <laughs> Wow. Richard, are you pleased with yourself that you didn't get that track heritage listed, the old one that was shagged? Yeah, I'm pretty happy with the outcome. (laughs) Good move. Yeah, no, it went went well. Things things went well. No, look, what what an incredible weekend that was. And every single turn of that event proved how fundamentally poor the decision to bone it was. It, It just was complete and utter vindication for yeah. not just Peter Malinowskis, the Premier and the Labor Party, but but everyone who backed the event and said, bring it back and it will be worthwhile, from Nick Perkat to the other South Australian drivers to supercars who took a punt on signing the contract to make it the final round of the championship to the support categories, to anyone on the periphery of it all. Um, it just ticked every single box to make it a worthwhile return and, and make it remind people why the decision to bone it was so unbelievably stupid. Uh, and yeah, just such a, such an incredible way to come back. An open question to everyone on this chat. Has anyone ever seen a politician so okay. warmly received as Peter Malinouskis on the weekend? Yeah. Have you it was ever? Un- it was unreal. It was unreal. I was standing underneath the podium when he walked up to give the trophy, and literally, it was like he won the race. Yeah, bigger cheer. He got a bigger cheer. Yes, you got a bigger cheer than Brock Feeney did. I was just unreal. <laughs> yeah, it was extraordinary. I, I I watched, and we put it in the rankings. I, I watched on Saturday night. I was down the back of the supercar paddock outside of Red Bull, chatting to a few people, and I watched him walk down. So he sort of came down the middle stairs, down the back of the paddock from the the premiere suite up on level two. And he was walking out, walking out to the the car where the the Premier's car is parked there behind the corporates on the pit exit. And it took him 25 minutes to get down half of the back of pit lane for punters coming up to him, shaking his hand going, thank you. 
And and it wasn't like they were autograph hunters or photos. They were just genuinely punters who wanted to come up and say thanks. I've never seen anything like that. It was really quite extraordinary. And and to his eternal credit, he greeted every single one of them, asked their name, you know, have you had a good day? Were you happy with the result? Um, and do you want a photo? Do you want an autograph? Whatever. And and full credit. And and at one point he was chatting to Barclay Netterfold who owns the sport and he basically dropped him to go and meet some punters. So nice. yes, he's a very, very good politician, obviously, but he's just a genuinely great bloke and, and absolutely cares about that event. And on Saturday morning, he was an hour and a half away up at Manham on the river Murray with the prem where I, with the prime minister um, talking about the flood defenses they're putting in place for the floods that are coming down the river Murray at the moment, which are going to be terrible. Um, and, you know, that that could have been his full day, but he made sure he was back at the track by 2 o'clock when the supercar race started to be there. So, yeah, pretty pretty remarkable stuff. Um, you know, I'll be surprised if he still cheered that hard in four years at the end of his current term. But um, right now, he is the most popular politician in this country by a margin, I would have thought. Yeah, I've never seen that event or racetrack look so good. Mm. Um, I've been going to that event since 2008, 2009, and that precinct was brand new. Concreting, yeah. they were concreting on Tuesday when I was there on Tuesday. They did a fantastic job. Everything was great. The Velo screens were un- unreal on the front straight. Those things were out of control. Um, and just it just was an event which the sport needed um, and the city of Adelaide probably needed as well. It was a fantastic event and I couldn't speak highly about it. It's always been my favorite bit on the calendar and to pull that together in four to six months was an absolutely outstanding achievement. Those screens are the new benchmark and I'll find it very difficult if other promoters don't find a way to get them now because they, they have raised the bar for spectator amenity at racetracks and they were double sided too, weren't they? They were completely. Yeah. So they're about 250 grand a pop, is my yeah. understanding. But um, so mounted on the, the no man's land between pit lane and the racetrack behind the concrete fence, massive, huge poles, double sided. So those in the corporates in the pit building could watch them, those in the stands, like our man Tom. Um, but then the, the other ones that were equally impressive were on the inside of turn one at the center chicane, was one that was four-sided so everyone in that entire part of the racetrack could see it and then there was one on the inside of the final hairpin which was three-sided as well so everyone could see it so that that was uh and for those that have been and seen racing in the states and how good you know nascar stadium pa and and big screens are and daytona was incredible this is as good and but miles in front of the the temporary screens parked on top of a shipping container for example that we usually see at those events yeah. it was a huge leap forward and another another indicator of a sponsor bringing legitimate value to it rather than just um rather than just writing a check and putting their sign everywhere and and i'm sure there's going to be other innovations down the road bearing in mind they only had seven months to pull the thing together uh supercars would have to be pretty happy with numbers throughout the year wouldn't they there were some amazing events number wise uh, yeah, well, they'd, they'd want to be, but um, maintaining it will be strong. So events yeah. like this, you don't worry about it. And honestly, they don't need to worry about it either from a supercar point of view because they get paid to rock up. Um, and so if 
10 people go or 100,000 people go, they've still got to check. The events they promote, they want people to. So Gold Coast, Newcastle, Townsville, absolutely. Yeah, the numbers have been good. So they should be after two years in the wilderness. Yes. Um, yeah, they absolutely should have been good. Yeah, it's uh, the, the race. It's uh, well, actually, not, well, let's not worry about the racing just yet. Uh, a little bit of concern, I think, there was, was there on the first couple of days in regards to the amount of supercar racing that there was on those two days? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not confident that that supercar schedule is the right schedule for that event. Yes, to two 250k races. Yes, to top 10 shootouts because they're epic on a straight circuit. Um, but Friday was complete waft ham from a supercar's point of view. So they rock up and do a half an hour practice session. Then everyone's sitting around all day for 15 minutes of qualifying. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a cop out. I'm sorry. Um, and, and Fridays are traditionally a very well attended day because people rock up for that end of day qualifying session, but it's gotta be more than 15 minutes. So uh, they, they had a 30 minute token practice session on Thursday afternoon and then the supercars basically sat around for 24 hours until they ran again. So like, Albert Park functions as an event without any Formula One on Thursday. I see no reason why Adelaide couldn't function without supercars on a Thursday, run some supports, do something different, maybe build to a, a race on Friday night like they used to with the GTs, maybe run an, an enduro or a long open wheel race. I don't know. You, there'd be content you could build there um but it just felt like a cop-out and yes it's about the event yes it's about the concerts everyone goes they're not just going to see supercars but they're the main game that's what the, the main show and to get them for 45 minutes when you're paying 80 bucks to get in on a friday that strikes me as being a bit of a rip-off i mean i remember when they used to run a development series race friday evening and yeah and- Sure, it'd all be under safety car, but at <laughs> yeah, least correct. you'd have, have it on the program, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Super 2 lost the Bathurst 250 that they ran for a couple of years, which was great. So why not give them something unique? Give them an hour race on Friday evening so they can at least get five or six green flag laps. <laughs> like, Ouch. Fair but, but harsh. Harsh but, but, but fair. Build, build to something uh, on the Friday to deliver some value if you're not going to run your supercars. Um for any more than 15 minutes for qualifying. It just felt, it felt poor. And it's not the Adelaide 500's fault. That's, that's the supercar programming. And I think it's a constant theme. We've talked about this year is that is some of the programming around the supercars and how they put them on the calendar at these venues, because just random times at the end of the day to make punters stay all day or for, for what a half an hour practice Mm. session or 15-minute qualifying session. Um, you know, in Australia now, especially at this event, Adelaide, it's the second biggest event in the country, I think, at the moment behind right. Bathurst and the Grand Prix. Yeah. But, like, um, everyone's going to be there next year. Everyone clamours to be on that on that, on that that card. So, surely, you'll be able to put supercars on Friday for two practice sessions and a qualifying and then have a massive event with the supports on the other two days. It just seems like it, it, it didn't know where it was. It was a, a really a hybrid schedule it wasn't an enduro and it wasn't a super sprint it was just somewhere in between well the two 250k things are fine like that's tradition at that event yeah. since day dot so there's nothing wrong with that but it's it's how you get to that point and next year you know they're going back to 12 races so they, they they're getting a or 12 events they're getting a cut in in how many k's they're going to do anyway so i think at the big events where 
you're charging people a pretty considerable amount of money to get through the door that you probably need to up your on track running and, and give them a little bit more bang for their buck. Um, and you know, whether that's another practice session, the, the problem is you get caught between a rock and a hard place. Cause we all bitch and moan when there's too much practice because practice is completely meaningless and a waste of time and money for the most part. But, and then there's a lot of qual- We qualify a lot in our sport as well. And it's not a qualifying championship. It's a racing championship, but there, there has to be a, a happy medium somewhere between that kind of content building up to two 250 K races, but still, getting some value for the punters coming through the gates who are paying there to sit in pretty warm conditions. Yeah. But that knockout qualifying format, like it doesn't necessarily add a lot more wear on the cars or anything, but mm. it stretches out the process and you yep. get a Absolutely. few goes at getting that uh, moment at the end of qualifying with the, the different um, stages of it. So totally. Maybe totally. That. So even if you did the two phases and then to your shootout on, on Saturday, then Absolutely. But, you know, I think you could run your shootout on the Friday. I really do. Bump it into prime time. So do your two phases of knockout quality into a top 10 shootout. Run the shootout from 5 till 5.30. Prime time. People can come down after work from the city. Um, and then Saturday, you run a practice session in the morning. And that's fine because Saturday, they get two hours of supercar racing in the afternoon. So you don't need to give them much more all your supports and everyone's racing. There's no qualifying. It's great by then. But so maybe, maybe that's the way you do it. Yeah. Seven were affected by the, weren't affected by the cricket. They had motor racing predominantly pretty much on uh, seven, mate, didn't they? So that didn't really yeah. matter there. Yeah. But you mm. don't, I mean, the shit you like it on seven. Sure. But if it's Fox only, so be it. Yeah. You still got, it's still all about the racing. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before we get into the races, Let's have a look at the supports first up. What do we think of those guys? Um, well, I'm ridiculously biased, Shebex, but I thought S5000, yes. you know, if, if the category has a long-term future, we look back at this weekend and go, this is where it it made itself. I mean, that was, it was high quality racing. Um, the only reason they had a safety car was because the race officials cocked up. We'll come back to that later. Um and it was high stakes, spectacular car racing. Like those things around there, my God, they looked exciting. Um, the cars are reliable. You know, they went through five out of six races on a straight circuit without a safety car. And so they've got the, a better record than any other support category about that, which, and everyone was terrified that they were going to be a crash fest and end up fenced or broken or whatever. But, um, and, and it came down to a, a pretty epic Hill versus Schumacher style decider in the final race for the championship. So I think for mine, it ticked so many boxes from a category point of view and an entertainment point of view. Bloody hell, those things were spectacular around there. Just watching them through the center chicane was outrageous. They, mm. they look fast and it's that sound as well. Like yep. it's, it doesn't sound lazy. It sounds like it's working hard, which is what you want in any racing car. I haven't done an, forensic analysis on Hill versus Schumacher had going on mm. down there at the hairpin, but was it Schumacher versus Schumacher sort of thing? It was a bit hard to tell who was exactly at fault. Did the officials get to the bottom of it? And yeah, well, they, to anyone? they, they penalized Joey Mawson, okay. 15, 15 championship points for moving under braking. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a tough call to make, but it's probably, if you go back and forensically look at it frame by frame, it's probably starts, yeah that's where it sort of started so. probably fair yeah the 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 after contact was just unfortunate 
because they were both out of control. But what caused the front to rear contact in the race official's mind was was Joey moving across on the brake. So yeah. uh, that's what uh, ended it. It was a shame to end it that way because those two were going to have a proper box on. But but then we got um, then we got Aaron Cameron scything his way through the field from eighth on the grid in that race and a really cool pass up the inside at turn four. Um, to make the move and get the pass and, and ultimately win the race, which was an outstanding comeback after he um, self-destructed himself on Friday. Yeah, as a punter at home, if I just say one negative thing, but I just expected a little bit more from the push to pass and the lower horsepower sort of thing. Like at the front front of the field, there wasn't necessarily a lot of passing going on. Yeah, but there wasn't a lot of passing going on in Super 2 either. Yeah, but they, they were under safety car. But no, there was, no, I think there was a fair bit of passing under the safety car, though. So. Well, no, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, criticising a lack of passing for the leads. It was better as the lead That's back. a tough judgment because um, the passing gets easier the further back you go and the driving standards be a little bit looser. As for the push-to-pass thing, I think there was too much for that event. 90 seconds was too much for those races. Um and, and there was, they could defend. Like there was, was too the... much push to defend, not push to pass. But yep. but it's the second round they've used it, and it and it's um and it's only the first time they've given them that much allocation in a race. So, uh, they it's a learning process. Their whole reason they ran it this weekend was to to learn and develop and get it right for next season. So they'll come back and and it will be better. I, I don't think anybody noticed any difference that the cars were running four hundred and seventy no. horsepower as opposed to five sixty. Like they, they were doing 15s in qualifying. They would have gone quicker. Um, and with a with a different front tyre next year, they probably will. Um, you know, mid high 16s in races is plenty quick enough. You don't need to go faster than that. Yeah, S5000's great. The GT battle between those pro Audi guys, that was absolutely sensational. Like they were just boxing on like they were driving taxis around the streets of Victoria Park looking for a fare on a Friday night. That was absolutely fantastic. We just get those two to race in Australia all the time. Yeah. Like yeah. every time they every time they turn up, they put on a show. Yeah. They don't like each other, those two, either. It <laughs> shows. It's not a friendly relationship, I don't think. Uh yeah. It's, it's just like GT three racing when it's full pro is just the best yeah. in the world. It really is. It's so good. Yeah, that was that was box office. Uh, good field GTs, good to see some variety. With the Bentleys running as well, which was nice. Um, poor old Mike Bailey, who owns both of those cars. A, it was a pretty costly weekend, but B, um, the number of punters that asked him flat out, oh, you're going to bring it to the 12 hour, mate? You're going to bring it to the 12 hour? And I, the plan going into the weekend was no, there was no 12 hour plan. But based on sheer weight of interest alone, uh, I wonder if he's now going to have to change his mind because um, that car is just outrageously popular and they did a really nice job they all they all had these um little bespoke racing suits in like british tweed that was awesome yeah and they were wearing the british caps and the goggles and full bentley boys and uh m sport sent some techs out to help run the cars which was outstanding i thought so yeah it was that was very very cool so super two i mean the positive there is that declan fraser is the happiest champion (laughs) in the history of world motorsport is he has he stopped smiling I don't think so. No. Pretty happy no. about that one. And, and I suppose the other side of the, the championship equation there was the Super 3 battle and Kyle Allen, all he had to do was not crash and he absolutely went out there and crashed. So Brad Vaughan, uh, you know, he 
didn't necessarily have the blinding speed that Kai had throughout the season, but he finished the races and got the points and got the victory. Did he go and do a big skid up the main street of Angerston? Uh, unreport- no, no reports of that yet, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah, and to Brad's credit, uh, probably from a, sh- a machinery point of view, it would be fair to say that it's it's not an Eggleston VE. No. Nah. Uh, so working pretty hard with a, a privateer little team in Anderson Motorsports. So full credit to those guys as well for the job they did. Yeah, heartbreak for Kai. That was just tragic to see that unfold and um, a real shame because he's, he's a super kid and, and he's going to be a, a legitimate superstar of the sport. But they're the character-building moments that you build on. They've got to do something about that championship, though. Um, they, you know, 37% of laps this year under safety car is not good enough. No. And, and it's, it's, it's unacceptable. There's just so much crazy stuff goes on. Um, they, I don't know how they change that. I, I don't know if it needs James Taylor race directing. Um, I don't know if Beardo needs to take a bigger step in managing that. I, I don't know what to do, but next year, they're running main these years main game cars, so it's only going to get more expensive when they fence them every week. I don't I don't know what you do. I, I honestly have no idea how you calm that down because at every single race this year, something colossally stupid has happened. Now, from a from a from a box office point of view, it's amazing because every time a Super Two race starts, you have to watch because it you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen, and that's exciting. Um, that unpredictably unpredictability is incredible, but it's too far that way. It, it's it's gone beyond British Touring Car Championship fun. It's gone into outrageous, crazy, silly, doesn't need to happen fun. And um, yeah, I, I don't know how you pull it back from where it is. I'm not sure. I think previously there used to be more veterans in the sport, right? You used to have the the Steve Owens and the Dumbrell. Dean Fioris and the Dumbrells that used to be in there, like the Andrew Thompsons. They used to have guys like that who were, you know, been in the in that series and, and more experienced. Now you just don't have that. Now they're just all young mm-hmm. kids, right? And you see, if you compare it, like say, you know, Moto 2 or Moto 3 in motorcycle racing, same stuff, right? You put the young guys in there and it goes all crazy. So I think we're going to still have that regardless of what happens next year with the, with the series. And I suppose, Krause, do we even know what, What's going to happen next year? How many cars they might have? What it's going to look like? Oh, it's, it's looking okay, I think. Yeah, um, I, I don't Seems know. If a, it feels a lot of the big, but a, a lot of the main game teams want to run cars. So you know, you've got Cool Drives already announced Aaron Love there. So there's going to be a few more of those outfits. I think that have got machinery sitting around that want to put people in them. So if there's well, enough people that are willing to dolly up, there's machinery there for them to have a go. Well, Tickford announced Brad Vaughan, Ellie Morrow yeah. on the Friday. So there, there's two cars. Um, Eagleston's got cars coming. Um, we understand they've they've got Team 18, Triple mm-hmm. um, Eight cars coming. So that's great. Um, yeah, look, and, and Kai Allen's already committed to going up, I think, which is cool. So. Yeah, I think the grid will be okay, and and Super Three, I think, will will be much the same as a as a stepping stone. There's been some talk around those Ultimas running, and you know you got Mason Kelly on the sidelines and Jet Johnson floating around and things like that. So whether it's thirty cars like it is this year with the combined grids, I don't know, but um, yeah, I I think it'll be okay. It's going to be a bit of a transitional year for the championship, but um, there was some worry six months ago that there was going to be no one in it, but and mainly because half the teams had sold their current supercars to collectors who didn't want them to be trashed and and raced. But um, I, I think 
plans have changed and some cars have freed up and, and they're going to be used, which is cool. Certainly is. All right, let's turn our attention to the main game. And, uh, well, what a fantastic win in the second race for young Brock Feeney. His first win in Holden's last. Yeah, kid named Brock. It's a good story, isn't it? It was a great story. It's an amazing story. Kid named Brock wins the last race for Holden in the main game championship. In Adelaide. In Adelaide, driving the most successful team in the Car 88. Yeah, Car 88. You know, drive the guy who replaced Jamie Winkup, who won his first race in Car 88 in Adelaide in incredible style and held out a, a superstar of the sport to do it as well. Uh, it, the storyline was remarkable. And, you know, the whole, oh, you couldn't script that is rubbish because you could script that. And if you write a script, that's the script you want to happen, isn't it? Yeah. It was awesome. So, the, Brock, what a drive. Uh, he was more comfortable leading that race than I think he's been at most points this season back in the, the back half of the top 10. It was hugely accomplished, mistake-free, pressure cooker stuff. Brilliant. Chaz won the day before, and Chaz is an A-grade driver, isn't he? So he managed to keep a very good guy behind him. Brock Feeney. Rich, you had a bit to do with him when he was in Super 3 that year that he did that. And, yeah, he's such a good kid. He's a very likeable kid. That excitable, personable Brock Feeney that we saw on the TV, that's him, isn't it? Like he's yep. a, a good kid and a good personality, you know, not knocking uh, Jamie Winkup. Jamie Winkup is Jamie Winkup and that's the way he rolls and SVG's shy. He'll admit that he's shy. It'll be great that if we've got a, a triple eight driver out there who's going to absolutely punch out wins, if he's got a Brock Feeney personality about him, I think that's a very good thing for the sport. The, the difference between... Brock Feeney and Shane Van Gisbergen is that if Brock Feeney goes and wins 20 races next year, he will become an elite level beloved superhero like Craig Lowndes was when he smoked yep. everyone in HRT. Whereas Shane Van Gisbergen does it and everyone wishes he'd leave the championship because he's too good and he's not particularly fond of interviews and he's not a smiley, happy-go-lucky, friendly guy. Um, and that's just who he is that's his nature but that's the difference between the two of them uh yeah it's it was a really cool moment to see that uh, you know seeing a driver's first win is pretty special but having followed the progress up through you know when he won super three uh in in 2018 and then up through the um super two and a couple of years there and and then you know giving that opportunity to drive for for the main game in the best seat in the sport it's so cool to see that play out and then just the storyline around that you know, with all the plots that we've talked about are even better. And even the storyline, I remember when he first came on the tin top scene, driving a dirty, dirty Hyundai XL. It wasn't <laughs> even a good one. It was an absolute munger. And, you know, he went out there and smoked people in his Hyundai XL. It was like, oh, okay, mm. he's pretty competent. He was clearly very good from his karting days and was tabbed all the way along and uh, to follow through on that promise. You know, I think out of everyone this year, he's probably had one of the most consistent years. He hasn't had the big ebbs and flows. Obviously, Chaz had five wins, but when Chaz wasn't having his five wins, he was nowhere. But Brock's been, you know, sixth to eighth all year long throughout the year, picking up points. So, you know, it's been a good rookie season. He has been boxed around because he's been that rookie, but you'd think now that he's gone out there and won the second biggest race of the year, that he'll have some confidence and some swagger about him next year and he's not going to take rubbish. And at least if next year it can qualify ahead of, all that boxing, mm. you know, he'll be in a, a really good spot. 
ultimate compliment you have to pay him is that if he took the name off the door and changed it, you wouldn't have think it was anybody different. Like he was, mm. he could have been winked up in that car and you wouldn't have mm. known the difference. Like he was smooth as silk, uh, didn't make a mistake while all the others around him made mistakes. He didn't. And for a, a rookie guy at his first year, I, I, I can't speak any highly of that, of his year this year. I thought, you know, he would be not to the level that he was and he's outperformed, I think, most people's expectations the Triple Eight to win the Drivers' Championship, the last race, and the Teams' Championship. You know, I think they've had a fantastic year, and I think Brock contributed to that Teams' Championship. Could the storyline have been different if Shane hadn't received the pit lane penalty? Uh, would he have passed him? Uh, no. I would no, like to think I, not. I'm not convinced he would have, Shebex. No. You know, I, I would like to hope he wouldn't. Yeah, no, I, I don't think he was. I, I think Shane on the weekend was just... Shane was just driving at beyond the ragged edge and with the pressure off his shoulders. And but, but do you think it might have been that pressure of wanting to win that last race for Holden? Do you um, think finally like there was something in the mix there that was, oh, I've got to go out there and win this weekend? It was maybe a bit I'm different. Not entirely sure if that. But he had a shocker. Yeah, he did. He had an awful weekend. Horrible. 20th and 7th. Jesus. Terrible. But. Um, but great for the rest of us. They've got a hell of a show. They were they were the two best supercar races of the year on, on an overall level. Like, there's been some good racing. You know, the final race in Townsville was incredible. Shane's drive-through from eighth to first at Pukekohe was incredibly memorable. But on, on balance of entertainment over two 250K races, they were right up there. Yep. Yeah, I think... Uh, they were fantastic races. Um, you know, a good way to go out in the car, the car of the future era, which I think, you know, what was the best race of the car of the future era? Like, is it Bathurst 2014? Like, yeah. that far back? Yeah. So, yeah. That's the best that's race it. that's ever happened. Yeah, it was all downhill but, from there. But like, you know, <laughs> that's that's eight years ago, right? So it's fair, like, that's a fair fair gap between good and well, great races. But I think... Um, there's been good races. There's been some great racing, don't get me wrong. Uh, the, this yep. year's just been marred by the fact one guy's smoked everybody. But the, the the thing for mine was how much better those two races were than the two races we had on the Gold Coast. And nothing really changed. But those those Gold Coast races were not good supercar races. They they were pretty tame even from a Gold Coast point of view, even including the big shunt on the Sunday there. But um the, the which only was... which didn't help because it removed half a dozen really good cars from the race. So it, it even sucked more out of it. But Whatever the the factors were that conspired on the weekend, the new track surface, the fact that it was ice offline, we've seen that before. Um, you know, last race of the cars, whatever it might have been. Um, yeah, just both of those races were terrific touring car races. But you had guys making mistakes, and that was the the thing that sort mm. of set it all apart. Is that there's guys out there making mistakes, and we normally don't see that because the quality of the field is that good these days. There's 21 guys out there that given the right machine on the right day, they can win the race. And I don't think we've ever had a, a field of this high quality before. And it typically shows in a normal race meeting, they're very professional and they drive it nice and straight. Obviously we've had six red flags or whatever it's been this year. That was a bit of an outlier or the, the really big carnage that we've had mm. sort of thing. That's been a bit, a bit unusual, but you know, the guys are so good normally that they're not making mistakes and blues and driving into fences and carrying on. And and on the weekend, everyone, except for Chaz and Brock, sort of had dramas at various stages. 
But what a, what an end to the year for Chaz. If you start up with Goey, he finished fourth, second, sixth, second, third, second, first, second to end the year. Yeah. Like what a what an end to the year. Like yeah. only they weren't changing the car, but like you know yeah. that's that's a great. You know that's probably the obviously his best run at WAU, or I think it's probably the team's best run in what what since what the, the Courtney Tander days probably. Yeah, gee, they'll rue Wanneroo, won't they? Like that that round was rubbish for them, and then. The the DQ in the first race at Hidden Valley as well, um, and and a reasonable fourth, fifth, eleventh at Winton. So eleventh in that final race at Winton wasn't great, but outside of that, he's been a contender in basically every race. So you can only imagine how much closer he would have been, if not to Shane, certainly to Cam Waters in second, um, had he not had those those strange rounds earlier in the championship. But Man, they yeah, they came home strong, and and it's worth touching on WAU on Saturday because that that was a very cool result, and it was impossible to not feel happy for that team um, as the former factory team of Holden um, that's always gone so brilliantly at, at Adelaide, and with all the ties they've got, and Tom Walkinshaw and the family connections to the brand and everything around it. I mean, that was the perfect result, and then rocking the absolutely cracking 1990 tribute livery which was fantastic um that was such a cool result to see play out mm. once the forensic analysis have finished with that s5000 crash can we get them on to how nick percat finished second how <laughs> yeah. did he finish second oh it's in some good strategy calls and engineering i think from there um and it, it shows you how much of a qualifying championship it is because when he was running second he had Pace. Yeah. He was but as quick he's as anybody. Been, he's been good in races all year. He's yeah. always come through, but he's yep. qualified nowhere. Yeah, she did on the so, weekend again. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've buried the headline here because it's just occurred to me that Mark Walker believes that there's three drivers that can't win a supercar race. When you said there was 21 cars out there that could, oh, isn't it 26? Isn't it 26? 26. Oh. There's five. There's 25. Oh, sorry. Uh, there's, there's, sorry, Pete. I think we're all yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, I don't know who those drivers are. Yeah, just get on back in wow. your Facebook page, mate. Um, well, I think start at the bottom and work your way there's up. There's a few yeah. obvious candidates that probably aren't going to win, aren't they? No, fickle. Uh, greatest burnout ever in the history of burnouts? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was amazing. Yeah. There, there's Unreal. Americans on the internet blowing up about how cool that is, and they've yeah. had some good skids over there. Yeah. The the yeah. So what did he do? He jammed his boot. He jammed his boot in the gap between the bulkhead <laughs> and the throttle. That, that that's yeah. incredible, and only he could pull that off at the moment. Yeah. Like if that was any other driver, I'm sure the engine would have blown, or the car would have. He would have been picking up his trophy, and the car would have been off doing its own thing down the end and crashed into people. Who knows? But it just everything worked. Uh, yeah, it was spectacular to watch. I don't know where you were, Tommy, but. Uh, I was watching from the media center and just overlooking that. And the people in the crowd were going mental yeah. for it. Tommy, we, Tommy was down on the fence holding onto the car. Oh, yeah. I ran, <laughs> I ran to the pit wall as soon as I heard, saw him driving down the front straight. So I knew it was coming. I yeah. didn't think it was be that good, but I got smacked yeah. in the face by rubber off the uh, blown tire, which I thought was a great uh, little send off. But oh my God, that was the best thing I've seen in a long and, time. He can do a burnout. I just let him just do burnouts everywhere. What and, and full credit to Paulie Martin and the Supercars Ops team and motorsport team for allowing that to happen. And, and you know, they were very quickly, once the last car crossed the line, they blocked off that big area of pit straight because they knew the fans were coming down anyway. Blocked that off, um, made sure that no one could get in there and, and open that area up for him to do that. 
and then the trophy positioned. And my, I understand there was some pre-planning about the fact that, yeah. okay, and Shane, was, do, it, do it the skid friend, up to friend the Friend of the podcast, out. friend of the podcast, yeah. David Tunnicliffe put him up to it. Correct. And the whole premise was that he was going to knock it off the plinth there, yeah. which would have been just as good. Yeah, but doing circle work around it was even better yeah, was good. as a visual. <laughs> like that, that was epic. No, it was... Um, it was very well done, and yeah, and to TV who um, who facilitate all of that obviously did an outstanding job all weekend. But yeah, great, great celebrations, really cool. We we'll leave Adelaide there, and we will come back in two weeks' time and do a wrap of 2022 and how we thought the year ended up. Uh, moving on from racing, then uh, let's make our way to the awards, Supercar Awards, and I think there was some. Pretty popular winners there. Lee Holdsworth winning the Barry Sheen medal. I thought was fantastic. Oh, yeah, deserved. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. He's been an incredible ambassador for the sport. Yeah. 10 out of 10 in every category they put up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't happen, couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. Correct. Correct. Uh, Cam Waters, the driver's driver of the year. I was surprised about that. Do you think Todd Hazel would put a vote in after Sunday's effort? No. No. Might have rescinded his. Yes, yeah, I'd like to retract my vote, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, not knowing the criteria on how that's voted. Um, yeah, I don't mind. It's, it's like, a driver's I mean, MVP, finish, isn't it? You put one name forward as to who you thought had the best year. I mean, he finished second in the championship, didn't he? He won three races, yeah. a lot of podiums. Um, yeah. I, I don't I, mind it. I just, I was surprised of it, with it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, my my thought in questioning something like that is who else would you pick? And no one immediately springs to mind. So it's probably the right choice, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Lounsey into the Hall of Fame. No dramas there. Oh, you, Had to happen prob- eventually. Probably. Uh, are they trying to tell him to retire? <laughs> like, well, how do you get active drivers in the Hall of Fame? Well... If anyone deserves as an oh, active driver to be in it. there, it's old, mate. <laughs> and Chad Nalen, the media award. Yeah, well justified. Yeah, for well sure. Well justified. Yeah. That bloke works ridiculously hard behind the scenes. He does a lot of good stuff that no one sees. Um, no, very, very proud to work with young Chadley. He's a superstar, and uh, we all keep telling him he should go off and be doing footy or cricket or soccer or whatever because he's one of those irritating people that is good at everything. And... Um, and can commentate everything, and he's got name recall and all that. But uh, we're fortunate to still have him in our little world in in motorsport. And Tim Schenken also in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, worth uh, worth mentioning for sure. Um, and we should talk about the Supercars Media Awards, which yes. were held on the Friday night. And uh, delighted to say that TRT got a gong. I think it's our fourth media award as an as an entity. Um, as a collective that we are now uh, for Dar Rogers for his excellent story on uh, Robbie Harrod's uh, journey to being a bit of a legend of the motorsport and Ford tuning world. So congratulations to Dale and well done. Um, Mark Walker's excellent photo of Will Davison having the world's biggest off at Bathurst was highly commended as well for uh, in the photographic action photo category and TRT was runner up in the uh, both best use of social media. And also, which is amazing because we just cut and paste links, but uh, but also to in the uh, publication of the year as well, which is uh, a, a high, high praise. But our, our social media, to be fair, is down to the um, the fantastic group of people that we've got that follow us on socials who don't bitch and moan and don't spout hate and are generally 
productive and commenting very nicely on the sport. I, know, which I, is, I ban all the, you, you don't see how many That's exactly right, there. but no one else can be bothered doing that. So uh, we've got a fantastic audience. So that's why uh, TRT was recognised there. So uh, very proud. Well done. Thank you to everybody for uh, helping out with that. Mark, your photo of the bloke giving Dick Johnson the bird. Yeah, you didn't bloody nominate it, did you? Yeah, no, there's a lot of issues there, really. Isn't it? I, I thought that the best use of social media would have been uh, the power rankings, just copying and pasting all the tweets in there, because that takes days. It does, correct, yeah. yeah. But And the memes, and the memes. Me. Where else are you going to get memes Again, from? We were, we were runner-up, highly commended. Right. Surely there's going to be... Surely this is going to be a rankings award next year, seeing everyone's copy the power rankings in different outlets this year. Yeah, who uh, but, does the best rip-off we, of our power rankings? But I've shamed most of them out of it because yeah. with me... Yeah, they don't do it yeah. anymore. Yeah. yeah. And for our great listeners here of On The Grid, a competition very hot in the podcast world. It was, yeah. And uh, while we didn't get nominated or win anything, uh, if you look at the ones that did and you think, gee whiz, who would you take out? So well, we congratulations were, we were to those that did. Hey? I mean, we were nominated. No, no, but I mean, we didn't get highly commended or... No, we, we, we got diddly squat the out three, of the podcast category. The, the but... two highly commended, yeah, we, we were nominated, of course. Yeah. Oh, no, it's part of social media the and the publication. It all comes under the one umbrella. It there. does, yeah. So we were runner-up as a team. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Uh, speaking of hots and knots and rankings, it's probably time for us to do ours. Yeah, let's get into it. And I'm going to start because uh, I've got to get something off my chest. So we're going to start with the knots this week. Uh, on Saturday, uh, my commentary colleague, Matt Nolte, and I were in the commentary box. Uh, standing in there were some luminaries, um, Scott McLaughlin, who was very, very good on the weekend, by the way. Um, and S5000 was rolling out for their second race. And we were still in an ad break. And we heard the rumble of the cars bashing off the rim limiter and taking off into a race start. We're like, that sounds like a race start. That's not supposed to happen yet. They're supposed to be on their formation lap. We're supposed to come back from a break. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. S5000. Here's the grid. Let's go. Uh, we look to the monitor and the shot up at turn seven and see Mark Rosser planted in the wall and then the red flag come out. And so what happens was that uh, for some reason, somewhere in the officiating world, rather than going through the process of the formation lap, they've put the green uh, red lights on. Yeah. And every driver's briefing, every driver is bashed across the head that you need to follow the directions of race officials. So if the lights come on, who are they to know that they haven't just changed the process? So all the drivers went through quickly their start process and started because the lights went out and they were racing. By the letter of the law, they were racing. Away they went. Uh, what happened was they balls up it was supposed to be the formation lap they got it wrong they started the race instead mark rosser crashed it took a corner off that car and did some other damage somewhere in the vicinity of 10 to 12 grand um could have been much worse because there were several other cars up there mm -hmm. so imagine if it had been two corners or four corners or broken the thing in half mm -hmm. and it was 100 grand um and then as a side effect of the process of recovering Mark's car and resetting things. There was a lengthy delay in very hot conditions and it overheated uh, the gearbox on Nathan Hearn's car, which caused it to have some selection issues and ultimately bumped the fence as a, as a, a side effect. Um, and he was fighting for the championship. It's not good enough. That, that shouldn't happen. This is professional motorsport. These people are paying a lot of money to be there on a big stage and they got absolutely screwed. 
uh, at that level, that kind of thing should not happen. And it's very hard to say bad things about volunteer officials, and I'm not doing that. But at the same time, there has to be there has to be a standard where the processes are followed, and mistakes like that can't happen because if someone had had a truly bad crash, mm. we've seen truly bad crashes at that place before. What would you have done? So it's it was incredibly disappointing that that happened um, in in a championship race that was pretty important. So I hope I hope whatever reviews are undertaken have been undertaken and that doesn't happen again. But it's not the first time it's happened there either. Uh, and I say this is the most parochial South Australian that's ever existed. Um, that it's happened there before and it can't happen again. It's bad. So that's my not for the week. Uh, it's a very serious one, but uh, I needed to get that off my chest. Mark? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, Super 2, they love this stat that uh, the race talks come up with uh, 177 racing laps this year, 65 of them under safety car. That's not great. Uh, but my not for the weekend was the crashing in the GTs. There were mm. some proper big boy accidents there. It started with... Uh, uh, Prince Jeffrey early on there where he drove face first into the concrete wall and it stopped and they reckon it was an 18 G impact, but I think the G made a break because it uh, was going very fast and then it wasn't going anywhere at all. So that was, uh, that was awful. And write that thing off the second uh, Mercedes AMG out of that bunker. That's been wrecked in two race, well, two race meetings, wasn't it? And yes. The other one got yeah, into Bathurst quite significantly. Uh, then, then Jamie went out there and rearranged his car, but they managed to fix that one. Uh, the Bentley wound up in the fence at the start of Saturday morning. That was bad. And then Sergio Perez uh, really wound up fenced and wound up on a trip to hospital with a broken collarbone after he got absolutely clobbered into the fence. When was that? Was that Saturday that was as well? That was Sunday. Sunday. Mm. Oh, that was Saturday. Was that it? was the end of the Saturday yeah, race because, okay. yeah, mm. they didn't show it. Uh, that was bad. That's expensive. You love to see the GT cars, but they've been having some uh, tremendously large stacks of late, which is bad. Not. I don't have a not. Hmm. Really? I didn't, I didn't watch enough racing this weekend to, to have a not because I was involved with baseball. So very hard well, for me to get one. That's a not. That's a not. That's a not. Well, I can tell you what is. I can tell you what is a not. No, oh, I here we go. Here no. we go. No, I'll say it when we turn the mic. When we turn the mic. <laughs> so it's not motorsport related then? Definitely not motorsport related. Okay. All right. Tom? Uh, well, I've got three. Um, standing not Peter Adderton, to speak quiet, please. Um, <laughs> sorry. No, sorry. Great, great. Carry on. Thank um, no New Zealand on the supercar calendar for the 2023 and only 12 rounds. That's... Uh, obnoxiously bad. Like, how can we be going backwards? I know there's probably reasons behind it, and there is reasons behind it, but it's got to be. This. We're the only motorsport series in the world that's having less rounds and more. And um, unfortunately, no covers for the no cover for the punters on the front straight at um, Adelaide on the weekend. That was the heat came from nowhere really because it's been cold in Adelaide for a long time, and those poor people on the front straight were uh, yeah they were toasted by Sunday afternoon. Yeah, well, that that knot can extend out to the previous government who got rid of them in the the sell off of all the infrastructure. So, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's another thing they got massively wrong, and people got sunburnt. So, 
if you got sunburnt and you end up with skin cancer, launch a class action against the outgoing government because they screwed you over there. But uh, mm. anyway. All right, let's get into our hots and I'll lead off, if I may. Scott McLaughlin from the racing that I did see and his uh, involvement in that. He was just a breath of fresh air to that commentary team. And is there anything this man cannot do? No. Sprint car team owner. Yeah. Commentator. Irritatingly uh, sports lovely car, bike. Sports car driver now. Sports car driver now. Yeah. He was a very good Shebex. He was good. No, he was. Yeah. So from, yeah. As I said, from, from what I did see, he was just excellent. Yep. And also another hot, if I may, for mm. the decision by uh, Beardo and those guys to whack a penalty on Van Gisbergen on his overtaking move under the safety car. It was There was inches in it, and they could have gone either way, and I don't think anyone would have said anything if they didn't. But to have the gumption of the balls to do that was uh, a great move. No, it was... You- Larko broke it down and it was bang on. It was the right decision. Oh, Larko was spot on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Nice. Uh, Yeah, I I will mirror the Scott McLaughlin hot. Uh, Stood in the back of the common box for quite a bit of his work on the weekend and outstanding, genuine new insight that that hadn't been said before. Um, Funny. Uh, Jumped into all the in-jokes straight away, which was great and did it with great glee and mirth. Um. And was a sponge. Uh, and and after Friday, he was like, man, this is hard. Like, you, you guys all work really hard and there's lots going on. So, um, but but no, it made it look effortless. And his his insight was tremendous. And I, I hope that Tunners and the team get him back for next year for the Adelaide 500 once IndyCar's finished again because it was worthwhile addition to the coverage. Very nicely done. TV was great. So that gets a, that gets a hot, as always. The place looked a million bucks. Um, Peter Malinowskis has to get a hot. Like he's a good-looking rooster as well, but my God, is oh, he geez. is he a popular politician? Oh, so right. he down, the down. Um, down. Get around, get around him. No, he, it's dude. not a beauty competition when you go no, to the boss. It doesn't Jesus. matter. There were women swooning over that bloke. It's ridiculous. Oh Jesus! Um, it takes one to know one. What's you in know, the water over there? What you is know, it? No, I, I, I did on that. I did forget one knot, so I'm just going to cycle back to that quickly. Um, one of the things I was most looking forward to was to seeing my favourite band of all time, Ice House, play. Oh yeah, and they didn't yeah. play because poor Rod Iver got COVID two weeks ago and oh. ended up with a throat infection. Now, I know how he feels. Um, I was, I was very disappointed. That, that was, that was just the, the sad point of the weekend for mine. Um, but hot, my hot is for the Adelaide Parkland Street Circuit, and remove the parochialism and yay SA and all of that. It is a great racetrack. It, it's the racetrack that you could pick up from where it is now and put it in a paddock somewhere, and it would still be a bloody good racetrack. And it just lends itself to great racing. And Larco did a little piece on the whiteboard about the exact factors to why it does. It's 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 the center chicane and the varying speeds coming out of it and the over-unders up through the staircase and turn eight and the drama and the hairpins that promote overtaking and slow corner into long straight into slow corner into long straight, which promotes overtaking. It, it's a brilliant, genuinely brilliant racetrack regardless of where it's located or the event around it as a motor racing venue, it's a terrific circuit and one of the best in the country. So um, great circuit. Great to have it back. It's got so much heritage and uh, it put on a terrific show on the weekend. 
Thank you, Richard. And, th and thank you, Richard, for rattling off all of the hot things that happen in Adelaide. I appreciate it. You, they're all very warm. Well done. Thank you. But you're wrong. The hottest thing on the weekend and possibly for 2022, fell Terry Bodice. <laughs> dead set that has done Maybe. more for australian tourism and australian rubbish beer sales than any other measure ever in the history of the australian continent this is if you haven't seen it you've got to get on the internet just open the internet up and it will it'll just happen in front of you but uh he's uh he's gone and australian himself up a bit he's gone and got the mullet he's got everything going on he's got all the vb kit yeah. And he's sculling. Well, I, I don't think it was actually a VB stubby. I think the forensic analysis yeah, went from the S5000 <laughs> and have analysed the footage closely and it's not actually a VB in the, in the stubby holder. But uh, Bottas there has done got more for Australian culture than than Daniel Ricciardo ever has. I mm -hmm. hate to say it. Piastri, ball's in your court now, champ. If you want to get some strange <laughs> fans back. You no, you're absolutely extra. spot on. I'm just looking at it now and that is amazing. He, he's actually Full the king of, VB kit. That is just great. He's definitely the king of F1 social media. I'll be able to read. Mm. I'm surprised great. he wasn't. Oh, I don't know. He might have been here. I'm surprised he wasn't at the Adelaide 500, to be perfectly honest. Did, did you check the bar? I mean, <laughs> well, yes, because that's where he went. They don't have porridge rights, so he might not have been in the no. venue. That's the problem. VB, no, you can't come in here, mate. Uh, it was that's yeah, outstanding use of social media. Fantastic. Well, also, Brock Fanny. Yeah, minor, minor hot. Yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Being Brock Feeney. Why was he number one hot? Oh, Valtteri Bottas. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yep, yep, totally. Valtteri uh, got, got a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my hot is Brody Kostecki for finishing uh, Class B winner for oh, 2022. Yeah. Um, out of the clouds from nowhere. I didn't think he'd finish seven in the championship. Um, I think this year there's been a clear top six guys of – uh, SVG, Cam, Chaz, Anton, Will, and Brock. And I think to finish behind those, the first of the person behind then, I did expect to be Brody Kostecki, and it was. So I think a big congratulations to Brody, considering, you know, Will Brown was, you know, 12 months ago, the hot young thing who won a first mm -hmm. race, and Brody smoked him this year, to be perfectly frank. And another yeah, hot, yep. and, the, and the other hot is uh, to thank you boys for letting me come on the pod this year. It's been great fun. No, oh, I don't see how hot. Yeah. No, that's, that's a hot hey, I have thought of it not. Offer. Oh, you have? Not too late related. Sneaky sound system. And who's the other mob? Oh, Peking Duck. Peking Pe Duck at the Australian Grand Prix. Seriously. No, it wasn't. Yeah, we've we've done that 10 times Tokyo. already. And we're birds of Tokyo. Oh, it had something to do with the birds bird, didn't Tokyo. it? Birds of Tokyo. Peking Duck. Oh, we're well cultured here on, on the group. Don't worry about that. That bird's off. You're talking to somebody who wants to listen to Ice House. I've got no uh, idea. Oh, oh, what about what about old Zara Tindall getting only the third place trophy on Saturday? She didn't even get second or first. You got to hand out the third place trophy. The royalty yeah. comes to the Grand Prix. Yeah. She gets well, the but third they had place Peter Malinowskis to present the main one. Like, seriously, he's much more popular than some royals. And, and very good looking too, apparently. <laughs> they, yeah, he's, oh, they, they, were, they were genuinely lovely people, apparently. I, I, I spoke to several members of the Supercar media team who interviewed Zara and Mike. And Mike, is it? Mike Tindall? <laughs> it's Mike, yeah. Yeah, apparently, I have no idea who he is, but um, apparently they're lovely. Like, down to earth, proper rev heads. Like, absolute, bone, like, genuine race car fans so knew what South, they were talking South about. South Australian ambassadors, is that the case? I think they are now. Well, yeah. well, why didn't you get that gig? Surely, Surely. I mean, they, they missed a trick there. Oh, God, no. Did they? Why? Yes. Well, 
Oh, jeez. You want to talk up South Australia? But he well, talked to you. Then well, they, they, they were doing bombs. the job for me. They didn't need it. It was great. Right, eh? Hmm. We have had a fantastic year. Thank you, boys, for providing that in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to have a break next week, but we'll uh, put our collective thoughts together the week after and do our season 22 in review for all categories, not just supercars, but F1 and NASCAR and IndyCar and the like, and uh, do that as a wrap for the year. It's been yeah, great, boys. Thank I think you. it'll. I think it'll just be our like a full power rankings episode, won't it? Let's be honest. Well, should, we, with, should we do it with beers though? Well, I was just about yeah, to oh, yeah. say exactly yeah, that. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. That is a yeah. definite. So tune in in two weeks. The first sound you hear will be us cracking a beer. And then we'll run through our hots and knots and progressively drink more as we go through it. Uh, and that will be a great way to win the year. And we get the full gang in. We'll get Dale Rogers in yeah. and uh, and others that have joined us across the course of the season to contribute as well, I think. Beautiful. I like stuff. it. All right. Have a good couple of weeks, boys. Talk to you then. Bye for now. And enjoy yourself too. Thanks for joining us right here on The Grid.